So we're in the middle here of the discussion of um, of Hadlaka Mitzvah versus Hanaka Mitzvah. And the reason that was relevant, right? Why do we care whether or not the whether the placement of the menorah is it the placement of the lit menorah? Now, that doesn't mean you take your lit menorah and you move it. They move it. That means that when you have a menorah set down in a particular place, and then you go ahead and light it, it is it's being placed there, not the lighting, but it is being it is the fact that you have placed lit candles um, in a particular spot in the correct spot. That means that you have performed the mitzvah menorah, or is it merely the lighting of the candles? Why does that matter? Because we have been talking about whether or not you're allowed to light ner mi ner, whether you're allowed to use one candle of the menorah to light another candle. And what we basically determined is that since we, we, uh, we left the opinion that says otherwise in, uh, as a difficulty, because it doesn't match with some brysa we have about the menorah and the base Dash. And we said, essentially, it seems clear that as long as the two uh, flames, or the, the one flame and the as-yet-unlit candle, which are coming in, count, in, 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 in contact with each other, are both mitzvah candles, then that's okay. Then that's workable. There's no bizoy mitzvah. There's, no, there's nothing disrespectful about that. So, says the Gemara, as long as we can establish that hadloka is a mitzvah, it would be permissible to light ner mi ner. Um, says the Gemara, the question of the kinsa of the match is a different question. We're not going to get into it. Um, says the Gemara. Oh. Tashma. We're at the very bottom of Chafei's own base. Tashma. If you have a lantern that was burning all day, okay, it happens to have been a lantern. Lanterns are much, far less likely to blow out over the course of the day. So if it was that was lit and burned the entire Shabbos, what should you do, Moitzoi Shabbos? Right, I lit it on Friday for Hanukkah purposes, and now I need a new Hanukkah candle. Right, I lit a really tall yardside candle or something. It was my Hanukkah candle, and then comes Moitzoi Shabbos. Now I want to light a new candle. I want to light a new candle, but I, I need. I want to do a new mitzvah, so I can take the same candle, I blow it out, and I extinguish it, and I light a new one. Yeah, if you're going to tell me that like, uh, the lighting is the primary act of mitzvah, so that's great. If you're going to tell me that placement is what does the mitzvah, says the Gemara, you should have to not only extinguish the previously burning candle, but replace the... Um, the lantern itself. You have to pick it up and put it back down. And um, that's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting question. Why you have to put it out at all? Tyson points out at the top of the end. Really, you shouldn't have to put it out, point it out at all. Put it out at all because if the whole thing is the hanacha, so uh, who cares? If the whole thing is the placement, who cares? Um, it's interesting because um, part of a larger discussion, but Rashi. Uh, makes a point of mentioning earlier in that Chafbeis 
that the question of hadlaka isa mitzvah versus anach isa mitzvah is not absolute. In other words, the opinion that says hadlaka isa mitzvah, the lighting is the, is the primary um, locus of the mitzvah activity, holds that only the lighting is the locus of the mitzvah activity. While the opinion that says hanacha isa mitzvah, a place where doing the mitzvah, Rashi says that doesn't mean that lighting isn't one of the uh, loci of the of the um, of the mitzvah. It is one of them, but it, it has another, it has a partner, which is more important, and that is the Hanukkah of the placement. Taisu seems to be understanding it that it's either or. So since it's either or, why would you have to relight it, right? Rashi says it's both, so according to Rashi, it makes perfect sense that you have to both relight, extinguish it, relight it, and pick it up and put it down. Taisu says he doesn't understand why you have to move it. So he says it must be that you lit it really not for, for Hanukkah, but for Shabbat. But according to Rashi, you don't have to say that. Okay. Um, very well. Okay. Says the Gemara. I'm chav madlikim, chav manichu madlikim. But me the kamavachinon. The Gemara is another another strong kasha from the fact that the bracha we make is asher kedushar mitzvayself v'tzivanu lahadik nershel chanuka. The bracha is. Asher kedushanu mitzvah v'tivanu lahadlik nersha el Chanukah shmamina hadlaka isemitzvah. Right? We say to light the candle. The bracha we make really belies the fact that the primary locus of the mitzvah activity is in the hadlaka and nowhere else. Right? Says the Gemara shmamina. You know what? You're right. V'hashda. So now we've established hadlaka isemitzvah. The locus of the mitzvah is indeed in the hadlaka in the lighting. Once we, what do we get out of that? What's the point of saying that? So if somebody who's considered to have imperfect, incomplete intelligence, whether it's a deaf mute, whether it's someone who is insane or a child, it doesn't count. It doesn't count because he can't do, right? In, in that scenario, it would be one thing if so let him light the candle. I can pick it up and put it down somewhere else. Right? But if he lit it, no good. Someone's got to blow it out and light a new candle because he can't do the act. He can't have the kavana necessary, the, the intent necessary to do the mitzvah. Okay? So the Gemara, of course, a woman's allowed to light the menorah. It totally counts. Shuvan Levi says women are, in fact, obligated in lighting Hanukkah candles for they, too, were part of that miracle okay well by the way it's important to know rashi 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 says what exactly was the was their inclusion in the crisis rashi says because of the uh the uh the gazera the enactment which is mentioned elsewhere in shas which is tibola every woman who got married had to have relations with the greek uh governor or commander first um, which is really the background of the story of Eliporni, I think, and the cheese and the beheading. Okay. Amr of Sheshis. Says of Sheshis, Achsenoi Chayiv B'ner Chanukah. Someone who's a guest still has to light Chanukah candles. Okay, that's not a big surprise. Amr of Zera, that's only because we know that the Gemara says that, otherwise it would be a big surprise, because really, a person's got to light a candle in his house, if I'm not in my house, who's, why do I have to light a candle? Even if I'm in your house, I have to light a candle. So Amr of Zera, uh, when I used to go to Rav's house, why was he at Rav's house to learn? 
So I would be mishtatif bepriti. I would give money to uh, my hosts, right? He wasn't, you know, he was at the he was at the house of Rav to study. He wasn't sleeping in the house of Rav. Rav's house wasn't big enough to have everyone in his house. So he would stay, just like in, was traditional in Europe for many, many years, um, throughout the Jewish colonies. He would stay at some balabas's house, and the balabas would provide him food, etc. So he would give money to the balabas to allow him to participate in their in the balabas's Hanukkah candle, right? Once he got married, says he, says he, now that I have my own family, I can assume they're lighting for me at home, back in my house. Okay. Right, his wife can be uh, like a shliach for him. Um, well, that, I don't want to stick myself into any big machleks in over here, but let's just say they're lighting for him in his house. Amishumalevi. Kol hashmanim kulon yafin l'ner. All oils are good for the candle. The best candle, by the way, in general, excuse me, um, the assumption seems to be that this now is going back to being a reference to uh, Shabbos candles because Hanukkah candles may be lit with anything. It's definitely a nice thing. It's a mitzvah in a mukher, um, to... Uh, to, um, I'm sorry, uh, the mitzvah on Mufcher is is specifically uh, Ner Hanukkah, not Ner Shabbos, because the, the, the whole discussion we're about to have here is refers specifically to Ner Hanukkah, not Ner Shabbos, because Hanukkah candles may be lit, in fact, with any oil, it's just nice to use olive oil. However, as we know from the first Mishnah, Shabbos candles cannot necessarily be lit with any oil. Okay, it says the Gemara, all oils are good for the candle. Olive oil is the best. Back in the day, Mar, who's who's is Mar, who's his master, is Rabba. Rabba would always make a point of looking for sesame oil for the candle of Hanukkah. Right, this draws the light; it casts very good light. Cave in the once he learned the Mishu and Levi statement, so he made a point of trying to find Mashka Dezesa olive oil. Omar Hai that has a much clearer light. Okay, it's very interesting that he didn't just say, I'm doing this because Mishu and Levi said you're supposed to do it. He accepted it, it sounds like, from a Svara, from an intellectual perspective. Like he, he assessed it and he said, Oh, it makes sense. And he came up with a reason for why you should do each one. But it doesn't necessarily mean he wasn't being a cuff of the Bishop and Levi, right? It doesn't necessarily mean he wasn't saying, okay, I'm doing this because the great Bishop and Levi says to do it, but we see that he made a point of understanding why there was a benefit to doing it each way. All right. Very Bishop and Levi, Kol Hashemonim, another oil-related statement from Bishop and Levi, not related really to our Lacha, Kol Hashemonim Yafnaviyoy. All oils are good for making the ink of cipher and the ink, the ink that a cipher uses includes oil. So Rabbi Shulman Levi says you can use any type of oil. Of course, as usual in all things Jewish, the ideal is olive oil. Is the conversation here uh, for mixing the actual mixture of the oil? So Rashi explains a procedure which I myself uh, found puzzling, but I don't know much about ink making. Rashi says that they would uh, they they would kind of create a um, 
and he, uh, uh, you had like a glass, imagine like a glass test tube over a little, like a Bunsen burner, you know, over a little flame. So, but the flame underneath not, it would not be a gas flame, it would be an olive oil flame, and it would blacken the glass container, um, perhaps the inside of the glass container, with the smoke of that oil, right? They would heat the oil to its, past its smoke point until it started smoking. Um, and then they would like kind of scrape off the sooty blackness and um, together with a bit of oil, they would create like a little uh, emulsion, a little solution uh, and use it and then and, and mix it all together. And then they would dry it and then they would take the resulting powder and crumbling it into their ink and crumble it into their ink mixture, which sounds very convoluted to me. But what do I know? So there are two different things, there are two different steps at which oil might be used. One is for the smoke purpose, one is the oil that's heated past its smoke point, and the other is the oil that's used to take the soot and create this little emulsion. So which oil was being referred to? Which which stage was being referred to? At what point were we saying Shem and is the best, olive oil is the best? Tashma, Antonio Shmuel Bar Zutra, well, that helps. And says, in the name of a thought, sounds like he was teaching a brisa, all oils are good, olive oil is the best, whether for the smoking or for the mixing. Okay. Oh, excuse me. Um, has a different version of this quote from Rishmuel Bar Zutra. Um, all the smoke uh, producing oils are good for the oil, are good for ink making. And Shemin Zayas, olive oil is the best. Amar Ravuna, Kol Hasrafen Yafen Mikula. A similar sounding statement from Ravuna. All saps are good. Apparently, sap is also part of the um, ink making process, so all saps are good to use. The seraph kitaf and the uh, the sap of a plum tree, a wild plum tree, is yafamikulam, is the very best. Okay. Amukhiyab Rashi Amarav. Hamadik nershal Chanukah Tzarech Lavarit. When you light a Chanukah candle, you make a bracha. Good to know. Rabbi Yemi Amar, Haroyin nershal Chanukah Tzarech Lavarit. I didn't know that. If somebody sees a Chanukah candle, they also need to make a bracha. Right? Amar Yehuda, Yom Rishayin, on the first day of Hanukkah, Haroyim Mavarach Beis, Umadik Mavarach Gimel. The person who sees a Hanukkah candle makes um, two brachas, right? Which bracha does he leave out? Obviously, Lahadlik Nerushal Hanukkah, because he can't make a bracha on something he hasn't done. He hasn't lit a Hanukkah candle. So he makes the other two brachas, Shasanisim and Shechianum. And the Madlik, someone who lights, makes three, because he also makes Lahadlik Nerushal Hanukkah. From this point on, someone who lights makes two brachas because he cuts out Shechianu, right? And somebody who, um, and someone who sees the candle makes one because he cuts out again Lahadlik and only says Shasunis. Um, okay. Maimimai, says the Gemara. You cut out Shechianu. Says, well, hold on, the nimud nais. Maybe we should cut out nais. Maybe the one you should cut out, you should cut out as well. The nais. How many? The nais happened for eight days. Says the Gemara. Nais kol yomi. Say, in fact, the nais, the miracle happened for eight days. The Gemara maybe thought that the the miracle was the finding of the oil, 
Rashi says, but no, that's not the case because they used the same jug of oil all eight days. Okay. My Mavarich, what's how do you make the bracha? What does the bracha sound? Mavarich, Asher Kedishon Mitzvaisa Vitzivan Lahadlik Nershal Hanukkah. The bracha you make is Asher Kedishon Mitzvaisa Vitzivan Lahadlik Hanukkah, who has consecrated us with his mitzvahs and commanded us to light the candle of Hanukkah. Says the Gemara, a question the Gemara asked famously in a few places, where in the Holy Torah does it say anything about Hanukkah candles? Says the Gemara, the Torah tells us whatever the Chazal, whatever the sages tell us, we should listen to. So here's a good example. The sages tell us to listen. We must listen. Okay? A different version, a different uh, source, right? Which is interesting, right? Ask your, right? That's a pasuk from, that's from Hazinum. Ask your um, your father, and he will tell you. Your grandfather, and he will inform you. Which I guess he understands as a mitzvah say. I'm not sure if he understands it as a as a hint to the idea of listening to the rabbis, or as a mitzvah saseh, because leisasser is a lav, leisasser is a negative prohibition that says, don't, don't fail to heed the words of the sages. This seems almost more like a pleasant suggestion. Maybe he sees it as mitzvah saseh. Masav of Amram had demai, if somebody has some demai, what's demai? That's truma, or I should say produce, which has questionable truma status. And we don't know if Truma was taken from it or not. I bought it, let's say, from an Amma, or it's somebody who's not trusted to take Truma. So, we can use it to construct an Erev, right? And when you make an Erev, it has to be a food element, the box of matzah in the rabbi's office. That's the food element of our Erev. So, or is it in the kitchen these days? So, um, who knows where anything is these days? But, um, and the, by the same token, so you could, in theory, that box of matzah could be demai. You can make an air with that matzah. Umishtat fimboy, you can use it for shtufe. Umavois, which is just another kind of air. Umavarch and alav, you can make a bracha on it. Fitayin and alav, umazaman alav, and you would make a mezuman on it. Umafrishan, I'd say, arum, umayashmashas. And one may uh, separate it, right? Generally speaking, if someone's separating truma, he has to be dressed like he's doing a mitzvah. He can't be, could be, uh, maybe it was commonplace for somebody to strip down when he was doing heavy farm work. He can't be like that when he's doing truma. But when he's separating, when he's doing the kind of um, risk-mitigating separation of truma from demai, so he can do that even unclothed. And even on Erev Shabbos. Right after Shkia. Now, the Amrit says the Gemara, call me Rabbanon, Mizamin Olav. If you're going to tell me, excuse me, if you're going to tell me, if your claim is that every act, every time I do something mandated by the sages, I have to make a bracha. How can I separate the truma, quote unquote, from the mai without any clothes on? I have to make a bracha. So you see clearly that you don't make a bracha under abundance. A person has to be dressed properly, like it says in the Pathic. Your camp should be holy when you're doing holy things. You have to be dressed. You can't be undressed, so you can't be saying a bracha. Says the Gemara, well, by the same token, second day of Yantiv, outside Eretz Yisrael, is a suffix der Abanon, suffix der We're only doing it because the Chazal told us, wait, hold on, 
maybe you have to act as if maybe it's yamtif, right? Uboi bracha, and it requires a bracha. In other words, you make all the brachas you would make. You would make all the, right? you make the same kiddush. You, you, you treat yamtif sheni the second day of yamtif, same you treat the first day. Says the Gemara, there's a different reason there. We have to treat the second day of Yamta with a lot of covet. We have to treat the second day of Yamta with a lot, a lot of covet, a lot of respect, because we want to make sure that it's treated properly. We don't want anyone to start taking the attitude of the conservative movement and say, ah, all right, ah, we don't need second day of Yamta. That's an archaic thing. That's nonsense. So that's why we have to treat it very, very seriously. We have it. It has the, almost all the trappings. As really all the trappings of a regular day of Yom. Says the Gemara, Rav Omer, Roiv Ame Haaretz, Asrin Him, most Ame Haaretz, most people, even the Amaratzim who we don't trust to uh, take Truma, it's not that they don't take Truma. Most of them take at least Meiser, right? And this whole thing is only a Chumr in the first place. It's not a true suffix. Something that really, in other words, Robert Stein saying really, something that's a true suffix derabanan is enough already to make a brach. This is not even a true suffix derabanan, because the fact of the matter is most of the people on the ground are actually taking mitzer, and the only reason we created the status of demai is kind of as an extra chumrah, just in case it's somebody who didn't take mitzer. Okay. Amravuna, chatzur sheyech shlabeis psachim. If you have a chutzur, a courtyard, which has two entrances, so you need to light at both entrances. You need to light two candles. Well, two menorahs. I know a lot of people in Eretz who did this. On my Rava, it says, they corrected on the side too. On my Rava, this is only true from two directions. Right? If one of the one of the doorways to the to the to the uh, courtyard opens up on the east end and the other one opens up on the west end right they're facing they're, they're not uh, they're not next to each other however however on the both on the same side no so if the whole concern is what are we concerned about we're afraid someone's going to pass by and they're going to say aha okay very well there's one fellow who lives in this no he's not going to realize these are the two entrances to your one house they're going to think two people live in this house and they're going to say, ah, there's one guy on one side who's a good Jew, but the other guy, he's not a good Jew, because he didn't light him in there. So if you're going to tell me, Mishim who are we concerned about? If it's just any passerby, whether or not they're a local. So, so says the Gemara, who cares? Even worse, if, 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 there's, if one entrance is on the east side and one entrance is on the west side, and I see this, I pass by and all I see is just one door, Right, I don't even see the other door, and there's no menorah there. That's terrible. It's a ter- it looks terrible. It's a terrible. Uh, it creates tremendous chashad, tremendous suspicion. And if, right, and chashad of the name if the concern is the locals who know that the house is not split, so I feel the mishnei ruchah is not really boy. Even if the, the entrances are both on the same side, indeed, are on the same side, right? Excuse me. Uh, even if they're on, on opposite sides, you still shouldn't need it. Right, regardless of whether or not the second entrance is visible. Um, I'm sorry, I mixed them up. Uh, if, if what we're concerned about is someone who's not a local passing by, so even if the two entrances are on the same side, right, so you should still need to put them in there by each one because he doesn't know that the house is not split. 
And to him, he sees both entrances. He sees one one with a manure and one without a manure. And if the concern is the suspicion of the locals, the locals know the house isn't split, so who cares? In fact, even if there's one entrance on one side and the other entrance on the other side, and they're not visible to each other, still there should be no issue of chashadah, because we should assume they know that only one person lives in the house. Okay? Says the Gemara, The whole conversation is, in fact, about the suspicion of the locals. Because the fact of the matter is, sometimes they don't really, they're not necessarily uh, aware, right? They only pass by one side. They don't generally pass by the other side. And we're concerned that uh, they never really realized there was a second entrance. And when they see that they didn't, they didn't put two and two together, and they're going to look and they're like, hey, somebody lives in that house who's not lighting them in there. Okay. Alright. Yeah, I'm sorry. And the, 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 the locals are going to pass by and they're not necessarily going to see the side that, uh, that right again, like we said, they're not going to be aware of the... Uh, The, I'm sorry, to clarify. The locals are... The, the, the Chatzar has one entrance in, on the east side, one is on the west side. Now, they know... I, I, I said it wrong before. They, don't, they know about the existence of the second door. And they know that only one person lives there. But the fact of the matter is, the assumption seems to be that the locals eventually will, uh, will pass on one side. The assumption of the Gemara previously was that the locals eventually will see both sides, and they'll realize I always light by the other entrance. So the Gemara, we can't really rely on that. It could be that the locals might always pass one particular way. Once they're always passing one particular way, so they're not necessarily going to assume, oh, but he for sure lit on the other side. They might say, no, he didn't lay on this side. He didn't lay on that side either. He's just not a lighter of Menares. Okay, it's an interesting kashat. question of whether it applies to today's day and age, uh, when most people light inside, and even in Israel, still many people light inside. Is an interesting one. I do know a lot of the uh, Bnei Brak types do actually, if they have multiple entrances, um, they in fact light the Menorah in both places. Okay. Says the Gemara, How do I even know that there's such a thing that we're concerned about Chashad, about suspicion? Shimon says there are four reasons why a person should leave a peya, leave a corner at the end of his field. What does that mean? It means that not just, right, not just should you leave a corner of your field for Aniyam, for the poor, you need to leave it at the end of the harvest. You do everything else first and then you harvest that last corner, right? Why is that? It says, we're going to explain each of these things. We're going to say, What does that mean? Theft. You're stealing from the poor people. Why? We're afraid you're going to do the following. You're going to wait until there's not a lot of people around. And you'll summon your um, your close friend, your close relative who is an Ani, who is a poor person, and say, right? You'll quickly dedicate the pay, and that way he'll get the whole corner of the field. No, it has to be equal opportunity. We don't want any nepotism. So we say... Everyone, right, should be totally predictable. Everyone knows what part of your field is going to be pay, is going to be a corner, and you can't uh, trick anyone, 
right? It only happens at the end of the harvest. You know, we don't want to give the fellow that much flexibility. When we finay bitl aniim, we turn the page, right? The other uh, the other situation is bitl aniim. The problem is you're wasting the time of the aniim of the poor people. Why shaloyu aniim yoishvin umishamrin achshav miniyak while by his pay? We don't want to make the uh, the poor people sit around all day twiddling their thumbs, waiting to leap into action because uh, you're going to switch, you're going to declare paya, right? We have to make it predictable. Even if you're not going to be tricking them, uh, but still, it's not correct to make them wait around for weeks. And finally, we don't want chashad. We don't want people to pass by, and they're going to see that I'm almost, that I that I, that I I harvested my entire field, and they're going to say, aha, there's no paya, there's no unharvested corner. Well, in reality, no, what do you mean? Really, a month ago, I left the first corner for the Aniyam, and they took it all. No, but people don't realize that. They're just going to see uh, the situation right now, and they'll say, ah, these people who don't leave Peya. No, we want to make a unified thing that everybody leaves the final corner, the last corner of the field, um, for the poor. And finally, says the Gemara, umi shumbal because the past success that there says, right, that you should not finish off Right when the when the Torah tells us to keep paying, the Torah says you shouldn't be finishing off your field. So the implication is at the time of finishing. So the more hold on, aren't all these things just various explanations of why the Torah says baltichla, why the Torah says don't uh, don't uh, right, the, why the Torah orients the the uh, the timing of pay towards towards the final corner. Says Rava, the concern is. That there are people who are going to ignore Balticha, they're going to ignore the prohibition, right? And uh, and say, oh, you know uh, what it is is really we 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 did it earlier, so we're kind of infusing meaning, we're infusing uh, we're infusing logic into the uh, mitzvah to help people understand why this is not correct practice. Okay. A candle which has two. Now picture an oil lamp which has two mouths. Oil accounts for two people, right? Each of us can run a wick out each side, and we can light two Hanukkah candles in one bowl. If I take a dish full of oil and I surround it, put wicks all around. So if I place another dish on top, we can all, right, that's considered many different candles, that works. We can all light, right, ten of us, we can all, we can all light the menorah on that little dish. However, if you, don't put a, if you don't put an upside down plate on top, so it's kind of like a madura, it's kind of like a big bonfire. And that doesn't count even as one candle. Okay. Amarava. What should you do? What should a person do if it's Erev Shabbos? And he needs to light, he's very, very poor. And he needs to light a Shabbos candle and he needs to light a Hanukkah candle. Which one should he light first? Because of the issue of Shalom Ba'is, because if he needs the right, he needs to have a candle. Remember, you can't use a Hanukkah candle for your own uses, your own purposes. He only has one candle. So he needs to light a Shabbos candle, which is to illuminate his home. That's more important. Unfortunately, he's not going to be able to light a Hanukkah candle. But he has to prioritize Shalom Beisai, the happiness, the, the normal functioning of his own. Okay. Now, Ner Beisai B'Kiddush Hayoyim, let's say it's not Hanukkah, let's say it's candle versus Kiddush. He, has a, he can either light a candle or he can have something to make Kiddush on. 
So, ner Again, it's superior, it's more important to light a Shabbos candle in order to at least pe- have people able to see and not be living in misery. What happens if the toss-up is between ner Hanukkah, Hanukkah candle, and Kiddush Hayyim? Right? Or, or being able to afford something to make Kiddush on. Right? Do we mean... Right? Do we mean ner Um, Excuse me. Um... My mistake, I jumped up a line. Kiddush Hayyoyim, Adif to Tadir. Do we say Kiddush Hayyoyim is better? Kiddush, having something to make Kiddush on is better because it's Tadir. We have a general principle called Tadir, B'Shenu, Tadir, Tadir, Kaidim, things that are common and frequent take precedence. Maybe the uh, the element of of uh, publicizing the Nase of Hanukkah is more significant even than the Tadirus, the regularity of Kiddush. And therefore, you should choose to dafka do ner Hanukkah even if it's a toss-up between ner Hanukkah and Kiddush. Says the Gemara, Basadi Boya Hadar Pashta ner Hanukkah Adam Mishum Pirsum Enisa. After he asked the question, he himself resolved it by saying ner Hanukkah is better. Pirsum Enisa, publicizing the nakes, the miracle of Hanukkah is more important than anything else. Than I should say, anything else. Than than Kiddush Hayyim. Amr Avuna Harogel Bener. Somebody who is careful um, about lighting a Shabbos candle, he will have children who are learned. Someone who is careful about mezuzah, will have a nice house. Someone who is careful about wearing tzitzis, will have a nice talus, a nice cloak. Somebody who is careful about kiddush, he will have wealth and he'll be able to fill up many barrels of wine. Vuna was a regular, he would apparently, this is something that he would do, he would sit at the door of Rabbi Oven Nagra, Rabbi Oven, who was a carpenter, and he would sit there and uh, and study there, maybe even teach. So while he was sitting near the house of this great teacher, he noticed that he always used a lot of candles. I guess on Shabbos particularly, he used a lot of candles. Says the Gemara, "All my trade, Gabri, Rav, Ravi, Nafki, Mihacha. Two great people are going to come out of this house, right? So Nafki, Minayu, Ravi, Debar Oven, Ravchi, Debar Oven. These are great, uh, great Amiroyim came out of the home of Rav Oven, the carpenter, because of his care and his dedication to Shabbos candles. Ravchis, Dav, Ravu." Rav Chista, his spot was near the uh, the the building in which Rav Shizvi's um, wives lived. Or maybe he's just his wife, or maybe just the women of the household. I don't know how many wives he had. The women's house. Um, so he noticed that he they used a lot of candles. Amar, he said, A great man will come out of this house. Now, if Rav Shizvi, uh, Rav Shizvi himself uh, is the one who came out of it. Okay. To visit Rav Yosef, Habas Ma'achar, Madlakislo. Rav Yosef's wife would light very late. She would always light right up against his mouth, right up against Shkia. So, I'm Rav Yosef. So, Rav Yosef found a way to kind of gently reprove her. He says, Tanya, Lo Yamish Amr Ha'anan Yoyman, Ba'amra Eish Laila. When the Jews. When Israel was traveling in the desert, 
So they were led by a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud during the day. So he explains, the, the interesting phrase, the, the cloud, the pillar of clouds did not depart during the daytime. And the pillar of fire at night, it's a little bit of a, a, little, a little bit of extra verbiage there, which implies to us, which teaches us that the pillar of cloud um, did not, the pillar of fire would show up before it was really time for the pillar of cloud to leave. The pillar of fire would come a little bit before Shkia. So we see that you're not supposed to make your fire, right? It was kind of a gentle Midrash type of way of reproving her for lighting so late. Right? You see that you're supposed to have light your Shabbos candles a little earlier than when you've been lighting them. They each hung around a little bit uh, in each other's zones for a moment. She accepted what, what he said and said, oh, you know what, from now on I'm going to light at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. I'll light it nice and little. Said a certain old man, we don't know who it was. He said, No, no, that's not correct because you're not supposed to light too early. Okay? Oh, my Rava says, Somebody who loves rabbis, who loves Torah scholars, right? Not so much ordained rabbis as Torah scholars. Have a You have children who are rabbis, who are scholars. Demoiki Rabbanon, somebody who respects rabbis, Havulei Chasen Vos Rabbanon. He will have uh, Adams, as we say in Yiddish. He will have sons-in-law who are Rabbanon, right? Because his daughters will learn from his ways and they'll, res- they'll also respect learned people. The Dachel Rabbanon, somebody who has fear, in other words, awe of uh, Torah scholars, who Gufi Havitzur Rabbanon, he himself is likely to become learned. Some people are enough to being learned. May not be literate or whatever. So, nonetheless, he will get the respect um, of a true scholar because people will listen to what he has to say and take him seriously. That's a rare gift. Um, okay, should we get started on Shem and Sreifa? Let's get started on Shem and Sreifa. Worst case scenario, we'll stop a little before the end. Below me, Shem and Sreifa, the Gemara says, the Mishnah said that you can't light with Shem and Sreifa, with burning oil. My Shem and Sreifa, what does that mean? Amar Rabba, Shem and Shel Truma Shenitma. It is Truma oil which became Tame, which became impure. The reason you call it Shem and Sreifa is that it's going to be burnt. It's meant to be burnt. Now, B'Shav is my time alloy. What's the problem? Right? The concern is because, uh, right? In other words, the, I have to, uh, I have to, um, I'm supposed to burn it, right? I'm supposed to get rid of this oil because I may come to eat it. So because I am instructed to burn the oil, we're concerned that I'm going to tilt the flame in order to burn the oil even faster. So I'm, right, in other words, it could be a perfectly good oil. It could be an oil that burns very nicely. Usually we say the concern that you're going to tilt the candle to let the oil burn faster is that, oh, you know, it's not a good fuel. It's not a good type of oil. This could be even with a great wick and a great oil, but you're trying to make the oil disappear faster. Amalei Abaya, so Abaya asks, only have to be Yomtev Lishter? It should be permissible on Yomtev. Yomtev, you're allowed to make fires for a reason. So, Why is it forbidden to use Shem and Sreifa on Yomtev? Says the Gemara, it's really it should be permissible on Yamtiv, but it's a there's an enactment that says Yamtiv 
up to Shabbos, right? We don't want you to get used to using it on Yom because you may come to use it on Shabbos. We're not concerned about Shemiyata. We're not concerned about you tilting. This is kind of a far out concern. You're going to tilt the candle so that uh, you burn the, the oil that's meant to be burned faster. That's already a bit of a stretch. The concern is you find yourself on Yom right? In other words, on Yom we're not concerned about Shemiyata. Right. What's going on is it's a yomtiv, it's a yomtiv which falls down on erev Shabbos. Lefisha ain't serving kajim yomtiv. The right there's a general rule that we don't burn. Right, ain't serving kajim yomtiv. We don't uh, we don't uh, when, when there are kajim when there are things that have to be burned, right, holy items that have to be burned. We don't do that on yomtiv. So what's the problem? You therefore have to go ahead. And light it, You got to go ahead and light it on um, on uh, before Yom Tov starts. Okay. So behold me, behold me. Say for the Gemara, ask Eimad Likim Hashem and say for Yom Tov Mechal the Reish Alav Yom Tov Askinon. So the Gemara, that doesn't make sense. If we're saying Eimad Likim Hashem and say for Yom Tov, you can't use burning oil on Yom Tov. That proves that the Reish at the beginning can't be talking about Yom Tov. You can't say, you can't render the whole. Uh, the whole Mishnah that we're our whole Mishnah a discussion about Yamtiv if the specifically the second part of the Mishnah only then brings up Yamtiv that means that the discussion was never strictly about Yamtiv so the Gemara Amar Chanina Misura Matam Kamar it's just the Mishnah explaining himself Matam Eimad Likim and Shem and Sreif Biyamtiv Lefisha Ein Sarfin Kachim Biyamtiv because you can't burn Kachim on Yamtiv okay we're gonna come back to this a little bit just to review it at the beginning of tomorrow's Daf. All right. Thank you. Thanks for coming, folks.